The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. An English cryptid moves to America. And are movies, television, and music really conditioning us for a bleak future? Warning, both these subjects give me headaches to talk about, so prepare for a surly Jason today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. The sound you may or may not be hearing is the sound of me getting some Tylenol and some ibuprofen. I do have a headache, and I know that this uh, episode is just going to compound that. Originally, these stories were, I think they're interesting stories. And originally, I was going to split them up throughout the week because I was like, oh, man, they give me headaches. And I was like, you know what? I'd rather deal with one massive headache at the end of one episode than have to be like, oh, great. I have to record that episode coming up. Now, again, they're both interesting stories, but, man, they just drove me up the wall. One one has driven me up the wall for years. But the other one I just found out about. Now, the, the one of them was a request. It was actually a request from a YouTube user named Zergle Jerk, and I appreciate the request. I'll go ahead and tell you the story. Well, we'll see how we get through this. Okay, so his request, we were I was talking about cryptids. I've been doing a lot of cryptid episodes lately. And he said on YouTube, he goes, I bet you haven't heard of the story of Bloody Bones in Texas. I was like, oh, I'm intrigued. That's a cool name. It's a, you know, cryptid I've never heard of before. I'm sure it's really spooky. Oh, my God. I gave me, I was, oh, my God. I had the worst headache. Now, who is Bloody Bones? That is the question, right? So to learn that, let's go to Texas. Where Zergle, and Zergle Jerk, thank you for the recommendation. The fact that it gave me a headache had nothing to do with you. It has to do more with the tale itself. So let's hop in the Jason Jalopy, drive on down to Texas, and find Bloody Bones. Find this cryptid that I've never heard of. And when we get there, we are told... Oh, yeah, if you really want to know about Bloody Bones. Uh, yeah, we kind of have a version of him here, but you probably want to go to the source. You probably want to figure out, like, where Bloody Bones came from. And we're like, oh, okay, where's that? Is that, like, in Dallas or Fort Worth? They're like, no, England in the 1500s. Okay, great. So now we got to go back to Oregon. We get in the carpenter copter, go through a time portal. We are now in England. The year is 1548. And we are out on a search for the cryptid known as Bloody Bones. More like a demon or a ghost is probably a better qualifier for it. It's old-timey England. We go, we're walking around the villages, towns, kind of at this point in the 1500s. We're walking around. Actually, that was quite far back. I think they were still suffering from the Black Plague then. I don't think there were chimney sweeps dancing around. 1548 was quite old. So anyways, 1548 is the year we're in England. We find... And this old crone living in a shack. We found her on Tinder. And we go, hey, this wo- this woman's super old and gross. She has to know somebody named Bloody Bones. He, she, they, they, I'm sure they run in the same circle. We go in the old crone's house. We go, hey, we are here to investigate the mystery of Bloody Bones. 
She goes, bloody bones, huh? Bloody bones. You mean raw head and bloody bones, don't you? We're like, what? No, we just, we don't care about raw head. I don't know who that guy is you just mentioned to me. I just want to know who Bloody Bones is. I'm, I got a time limit. I got a daily podcast to do. Just tell me about Bloody Bones. And she's just stirring her cauldron. She's like, ah, the tale of raw head and Bloody Bones starts like this. So it's a creature. There's no one to hide in the darkness. Sometimes it hides under your stairs that lead into your basement. And there's little openings in between each stair. Where it can see your ankles coming down, your little eight-year-old ankles walking in front of it. It'll grab you. It'll grab you. It'll break you. It'll take you away. Like Calgon. I don't know how I know that reference. I just do. Stirs your pot a little more. Sometimes the creature hides in a cupboard. And if it's halfway opened and you look inside and you see it, it gets you. Stare in the collagen a little more. Or the creature also lives in bogs and deep pools of water and snatches kids, takes them down to Bone Town, Bone Town, UK. We're like, that is an interesting story. So is that the story of Bloody Bones? Which goes, no, 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 sorry. That's the story of Rawhead and Bloody Bones. So wait, wait, wait. So are they, are they, I'm getting confused here. Are there two different monsters? Well, yeah. There's Rawhead, who's a monster, who has a raw head. And then there's Bloody Bones, who's a skeleton, who dances. Okay, well, which one is the one you just told me those spooky stories about? Rawhead and Bloody Bones. Which... <laughs> So at this point, this was how I felt researching this. Article after article after article would tell this creepy story. What I, The versions I told you were different versions. In Britain, the original version was that this or them a creature lived in a bog. And it was, again, a lot of these cryptids are teaching kids lessons. Stay away from deep water because raw head and bloody bones will get you. Both of them, apparently. And it has to be a pretty wide pit. For two monsters to pop out of. I have no idea why these guys are so closely connected. So Rawhead. I have in my notes. Maybe about three lines down. Same creature? Question mark. Because I can't figure it out. And people may say. No, no, no. Rawhead is different than Bloody Bones. And I get that. But they're always a crew. These guys are like team teammates. But they never differentiate them. We know that Rawhead. He has a skull. That's been stripped. He's like a has the head of a boar that's been stripped to the bone, and he bites you. Or sometimes it's just like a skeleton dude, like who's had all of his skin ripped off. But Bloody Bones is always a bloody skeleton, and he just dances. That's it. Is that the thing? Like who? Okay, who's grabbing you when you're coming down your stairs? Because I don't care. You, there's not two monsters under your stairs. There's not two of them. That's not scary. If I was walking down stairs in the middle of the night. The idea of a bloody skeleton hiding underneath my stairs to grab my ankles would terrify me. But the idea of a bloody skeleton and then a hulking guy with a boar head both being able to fit under my stairs at the same time would is laughable. It's absolutely laughable. 
all of these, all references to these characters, for the most part, at least in the research, and again, local, like Zergle Jerk, his local legend may have just been about bloody bones. But when you look this stuff up, they're always a team, they're always a crew. It's, it was driving me up the wall. And then, this is their nursery rhyme. Rawhead and Bloody Bones, both of them, again, they, Rawhead and Bloody Bones steals naughty children from their homes, takes them to his dirty den, and they are never seen again. It says his in the poem, takes them to his, which one is doing this stuff? Is Bloody Bones just like a voyeuristic skeleton? There's no explanation. The weirdest thing is, is that none of the articles were like, yeah, we can't make heads or tails of this either. I, I've never been so confounded by a cryptid before. If Bigfoot walked into my living room right now and sat on my lap, I would be less confused than I would be reading these articles. And then, in my pursuit to find out more information about who is actually the villain in this story, I found out there's bloody bones and goo-goo eyes in Africa. So that is the story of Bloody Bones and Rawhead Rex, or Rawhead Rex and Bloody Bones. They're just like a crew who, like, bumbles around and kidnaps kids and, like, eats them or dances with them or turns them into bones or something. You don't live if you run into these guys. But again, super inefficient to, if you are a stealth-based monster, to have, skeletons are the loudest thing that can chase you. They don't even have any cushioning on their feet. Their bones make noise. So the rawhead can't, like, sneak up on people because Bloody Bones sounds like a xylophone every time he takes a step. And then Bloody Bones can't do his thing because he's standing next to a guy who has the body of Kevin Nash with the head of a bloody boar head. That guy's pretty noticeable. A giant boar monster. At least a skeleton could, like, sneak around a house, put on a trench coat and a hat, get on the subway. You wouldn't know unless you looked right at him or his ankles. Or you heard all that xylophone music as he was getting on. But then he's standing next to this giant monster man. So, but let's go ahead and norm... Is it pos- I'll have to end this like I normally do. Is it possible that a creature like Bloody Bones... <laughs> Which one is it? Is it possible that... Let's just forget Rawhead for a second. Forget he exists. Is it possible for a creature like Bloody Bones to exist? Yeah, I mean, sure. If you- <laughs> that sounds- I'm just like, ah... Uh. It's possible. I mean, obviously, if you had any sort of dark or demonic entity, there's really nothing scarier than a skeleton. Why does he need to hang out with the boar? The skeleton's scary enough. There's nothing really... Seeing an animated skeleton is is almost scarier than a zombie. Because at least with a zombie, you could rationalize, like, maybe it's some sort of virus or plague or something like that. But an animated skeleton, you would go, that's impossible. Like, what I'm seeing can never happen. It has no musculature... Has no tendons, it can't move. So to to wake up and see a skeleton standing over your bed would be scarier, I think, than waking up and especially seeing a guy with a boar head. I would just be like, go back to bed, Larry. Like, I mean, a skeleton moving is so impossible by any stretch of the imagination that if I was some sort of dark entity and I wanted to take a form that would absolutely strike fear into the hearts of children or adults or anybody... I would be a bloody skeleton. I mean, you can't beat that. Walking down the stairs in your basement is quite creepy. And the idea of something hiding, it's almost like Schrodinger's cat, where there's nothing in your cupboard unless the door's just partially open and you look in it. If your cupboard's completely closed, there's nothing in there. 
If it's slightly open and you don't look into it, there's nothing in there. But when you do look into it, there's a bloody skeleton. That's pretty creepy. However, you knew not to look into the cupboard because the giant guy with the skin forehead was riffling through your fridge and goes, Hey, do you have any cheese? Like, break up, guys, is what I'm saying. Bloody Bones, you are the Paul Simon of this group. Go solo. And you can take your act to the stars. Okay, so that was a salvage. That was an absolute salvage. of I don't know how much I edited out of that segment, but I think I brought it home. I think I actually got something out of it. Now, I, I took I put my pills out when I started recording. Now, I got to take them. Hold on. You guys have it? Oh, dude, you know, while I'm taking these pills, man, I am not. I just got to... Dude, have you guys seen that Joker trailer? Ooh, Christ. That, that was dope. That was an awesome trailer. I was talking to my little brother about it. I said, that could almost just be a movie. Like, if they never released a movie, if they just released that trailer and it was just like a trailer for the character, the essence of Joker, I was like, it's perfect. It's, it, it's great, if you haven't seen it yet. Let's go ahead and move on to another conspiracy that honestly is one of the most aggravating conspiracies. My microphone is vibrating. I don't know if that picked it up. But let's go ahead and move on to a conspiracy now that honestly, to me is one of the most aggravating conspiracies that I have to discuss. We've talked about stuff like monkeys aren't real and nuclear bombs aren't real and stuff like that. And those conspiracy theories are just stupid to me. Like, they're funny to make fun of. But predictive programming, and I've mentioned it quite a few times over the course of the show, but predictive programming is one that really, really irritates me because I don't... It's not, it's not a very well-thought-out conspiracy theory, and it's incredibly popular. So what is predictive programming? Predictive programming is the idea of this. That in movies and music, and a brief overview, you can read whole websites on this stuff, but the brief, the, the brief overview is predictive programming is the idea that within movies and television and music, there are things that are put in there to desensitize us to the coming changes. So for example, the government wants to have robot armies. So they want to desensitize people to the idea of robots fighting in the military. So the uh, the Illuminati or the powers that be or the government or whatever, they back the movie The Terminator. Because that shows how effective a robot would be in combat. Now I know what you're thinking, and we'll get to that in a second. We'll get to that in a second. But another very, very popular example, Alex Jones said this was one of the like most blatant forms of predictive programming or the most like extreme form of predictive programming. I don't remember the exact quote, but he went off in this movie. He hadn't seen it or read the book, but he had been told about it. And that was the Hunger Games. So, you know, Alex Jones really has a hard-on for um, like a dystopian society, New World Order, Agenda 21, I think it's called, and, you know, all this stuff, the coming global order and all that. And so the Hunger Games, really, because it was aimed at a young audience, what does it show? It shows a world where one government controls everything. And obviously, we don't know what happens outside the borders of the United States. But in within the United States, you had one government that had control over the entire United States. And people were put into abject poverty. And their only job was to produce goods for this rich society, the elites. The elites! In Washington, they made stuff just for them. And the, uh, the poor people were poor. And even Alex Jones was like, when the New World Order comes, Gladiator Games are going to come back. And so the Hunger Games, by watching the Hunger Games and having little girls read these books, 
that that starts that desensitization the cut that starts that um I forgot the word already my head is rounding um um it starts to desensitize these young girls so when in their lifetime when they're daughters so we figure 20 30 years pass after the mother reads the book she has kids and the changes start to come where America starts to consolidate power in one city. And she starts to see like all the economic resources get drained from her community. And as her daughter's getting prepared for her first gladiator combat, she goes, oh, this is fine because I read it in the Hunger Games. Like, I'm used to this now. Now, there are other, and we'll get to, I know there's a lot of problems with that one, too. We'll get to that one in a second. And sometimes there's things called specific, it's not technically called specific predictive programming, but... You will see that this is predictive programming, but they're just able to tie it into an event, into a particular event. So, in 2010, I think it's pretty common knowledge, maybe not, but The Simpsons has been connected to doing predictive programming for 9-11. They had an episode where Homer went to the Twin Towers, right? So that means they're going to blow up. And Bart was holding up, a in that episode, Bart had a magazine that was a... An advertisement for a trip to New York, a bus ride to New York, or something like that. And it was only $9, and he holds the magazine up. And it has the number 9 on it for the $9. And then the two Twin Towers, so it says 9-11. And then he's waving money in his hand. So that's from Alex Jones. He goes, see, he's waving the money in our face, all the money that the global elite's going to make from the attacks. In 2010 of The Simpsons, there was an episode called To Surveil With Love. This was an episode where, basically, um, Homer puts a bunch of radioactive material in a gym bag, which is later described to contain enough radioactive waste to create 17 Hulks and one Spider-Man. And the cops think it's a bomb, and they blow it up, they release radiation all over Springfield. And then they have to enact a police state in Springfield. They set up security cameras in everyone's homes and stuff like that. But this is from a website that is saying that this episode actually accurately predicts the next terror attack. Because it already predicted 9-11. It's all about looking for the clues. So we have the big scale predictive programming that's just basically showing, like, if you show a future where there is strict government control and the people fall into line, you put that in enough movies, it'll desensitize the population. So when there is a strict government, and the population falls in line, we will accept that because we've already seen it hundreds and hundreds of times. One thing, obviously, about being desensitized, someone who works at a farm who sees cows' heads get chopped off all the time since they were a kid, it doesn't phase them. If I saw a cow's head get chopped off, it would totally freak me out because I'm not desensitized to that. It would, it would, a live cow just walking and then its head falling off. Well, that would worry anybody, but you know what I mean? Like cow guts spilling out. I'm just not used to seeing that stuff. So, Desensitization, I can't say that word, desensitizing people is an accurate thing. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. In The Simpsons, in To Surveil With Love, when the dirty bomb goes off, the clock tower, oh my god, my head's pounding, the clock tower blows into the sky. (sighs) Lands next to Homer Simpson. A joke, right? It's a joke. Not particularly funny one, but... The clock falls down next to him. Now, the clock hands point to 5.55. So that's the time. It's 5.55. But, did you know? Did you know if you turn that clock upside down, actually, if you turn the picture upside down, it's actually pointing to, drumroll, 9-11. And you see, Homer is looking at the number 10. 
There's a cloud above the number 12. So we have 10. I should have brought Franz onto this, but my headache was just out of control. So according to this website, we have 10 plus 10 plus 2. Because Homer's looking at the 10. And then there's a cloud over the 12. But then for some reason they make that a 10. So 10 plus 10 plus... See what I mean, dude? A splitting headache. Splitting, splitting headache right now. A 10 plus a 10 plus a 2 is 22. The 6 is at the bottom. My vision's starting to blur right now. The 6 is at the bottom. So we have 22 slash 6 or 622. Meaning the date of the next terror attack is going to be on June 22nd, 2012. See, obviously that's the problem. This was from an episode from 2010. This blog came out in early 2012. Obviously, there was no massive terror attack on June 22nd, 2012. So you're like, Jason, why does this stuff irritate you so much? Well, here's the thing. Like I said, it's super well-known. It's really hard to argue with because once you start to break apart one... I've done it before where I've started... Like, I used to argue about this stuff more in real life and online. And once you start to break apart one, they just move to a different movie. And then you got to be like, oh, wait, did I see that movie? Gattaca? Yeah, I guess I saw it. It was okay. Like, and then you start thinking, well, where's he going with this Gattaca thing? But let's really go back to the original things. If the goal is to desensitize people to living in a future like that, can you name me a movie where a single state, a single government entity ruled every facet of somebody's life and they were the good guys? All of those movies, Hunger Games, Equilibrium, Logan's Run, THX 1138, or two, one of those. All of these movies are about people rebelling against the dystopia. All movies that feature a one-world government, all movies that feature, even Starship Troopers, they are a total, like, lunatic, fringe militaristic i love that movie but you know they're not really made out to be the good guys they're made out to completely depersonalize the enemy and break down these young men and women's lives and all this stuff there aren't and that's probably the closest i've seen of a movie where there is a one world government where it it has a happy ending with them not overthrowing the government if these movies are desensitizing you to to do anything it's desensitizing you to resistance so it teaches you to resist these faceless entities. Hunger's ga- Hunger Games does not glamorize the games, and it definitely doesn't glamorize the capital. They're the bad guys. Terminator, okay, if Terminator movie never came out, we'd already have robot in, in war. I firmly believe that. I think movies like the Terminator made you go, I don't ever want that to happen. Terminator really set up the idea of the AI taking over. And I know it was in science fiction before that, like novels and stuff like that. But as far as like mass-consumed stuff, Terminator basically cock-blocked two different things, AI and robots in war. Because it made both those things look like absolutely horrible decisions, 100%. That, if your goal was to get robots into the battlefield, destroy the movie The Terminator, don't let everyone ever see it. Because it makes it look like a horrifying future. So that's the thing. When we look at this, oh my god, I have such a headache. I don't remember if I had a third example. No, I think it was just those two. So that's the thing with predictive programming. Now, like I said, you can argue this stuff. 
But there's this thing called the GLP effect. And I got to talk about this real brief because my head's throbbing right now. And I really, if you guys have listened to this episode this long, I appreciate it. The GLP effect is no, and this is just, this is just absolutely bonkers. It's, GLP is this. There's a website called Godlike Productions. It's one of the main forums for conspiracy theory, paranormal stuff. I spent probably two or three years on GLP forums. That's really back when I was super serious about this stuff. And I, I was like a 9-11 truther. I believed on all sorts of nonsense. I believed like in Illuminati messages and music and all that. I believe, used to believe all this stuff. I don't, I, and I'm pretty open about that. I don't come out and be like, oh no, I'm so smart. I'm like the best skeptic in the world. I used to be fooled by all this stuff. GLP effect is this. On Godlike Productions, someone would make a prediction, much like this Simpsons episode thing. They'd say like, hey, I saw this episode of The Simpsons. It had this clock with the numbers, and if you do all this, you do all this. The next terror attack is going to be on June 22nd. One of the most famous things that they said was that there was going to be an alien attack at the London Olympics. And they would show all of this proof that the London Olympics was going to be attacked by aliens. Now, I remember at that point, I was kind of starting to... Get out of that! I was trying to get starting to get out of Godlike Productions, and I was like, maybe this, maybe this is too weird. But the other side of me was thinking, well, maybe they're right. Look at all this stuff. I mean, I was an idiot. So, anyways, I, um, anyways, the obviously we all remember the great alien attack uh, that didn't happen in London for the Olympic Games, and this is what the whole website did. They're like, we stopped it, boys. We stopped it. See, we weren't wrong deciphering the symbols. Oh, no. It was the GLP effect. See, they put the symbols out there. The Illuminati, the New World Order, puts these symbols out there because it's part of their spiritual law. They have to warn us. It's part of something they have to do. No, there's no proof of any of that either. But anyways, that's what they have to do. And then we decoded it before the act See, The Simpsons was afterwards. That didn't help. But we were able to decode the time and date of the next attack. And those evil Illuminati went, dang it! They got us again! We got it. We got to shut it down. If we launch the attack now, these armchair researchers will expose our long-term goals. Shut it down. Call the aliens off. Shut down Bluebeam. It's over. Now let's hide some messages in Arthur. And then you got to watch a bunch of episodes at Arthur and hopefully decode that that art. What is he like an aardvark or something? He has that weird looking nose. I don't know if he's a dog or whatever. But anyways, that weird looking dude and that that fat weird looking dude are like shaking hands. But it kind of looks Masonic. And then and then Godlike Productions is digging into it, trying to decode. Obviously, that is circular logic. Obviously, that is completely ridiculous. You predict something's going to happen. It doesn't happen. Your prediction was so right, it stopped it from happening. GLP effect. So this, and that was back, and like I said, I was more into that back like in 20, probably from like, it was probably longer than two years. It was probably from like 2009 to 2012. I, I, I don't know about the Mayan awakening, but I definitely had a, an awakening in the year 2012. I remember thinking, this is absolute garbage. All of this stuff is just absolute garbage. Still get a lot of entertainment value out of it. But when I say I used to be like a 9-11 truther, it was, I, was, I would have irritated myself back then. And I definitely was wholeheartedly, I wholeheartedly believed in most conspiracies, except for lame ones like JFK and the moon landing. 
Anyways, so I've been in the trenches with the people who believe in predictive programming. I believed in predictive programming. And then when I got back out, I'm thinking like, come on, boys, there's a world of knowledge out there that we can discuss without all this nonsense. And I turn around and the trenches are still full. They still got their helmets on and they're like, no, we're going to stay in this trench. It's safe in this little bubble. So you have these people who really believe this. Las Vegas Carnivore, actually, he watches the show on YouTube. Las Vegas Carnivore's comment was this, and I'm paraphrasing. The spiritual law thing is dumb. The spiritual law thing is stupid, where they have to warn us before they do the action. But it's possible that they're using these messages in movies as some sort of hyper-sigil to almost force reality into their view. And I said, oh, now that is interesting. I hadn't heard that theory. I hadn't heard that take on predictive programming before. I've heard the stories that the Illuminati put the codes in there to warn the other members of the Illuminati, stay out of London for the Olympics. Aliens are coming. I've heard that they use it to desensitize us to the coming changes. I've heard that they use it because it's part of their spiritual law. They have to warn us. But I've never heard that it's almost like brute force magic. And I think what's scary to that, to the people who believe in predictive programming, is it once again removes the power from them. One of the reasons why I think predictive programming is so popular is because it basically gives the average person the ability to warn others of upcoming attacks. So you have the hidden knowledge component, and it gives you the power to fight back against the faceless Illuminati, and that's the GLP effect. So it's a very attractive conspiracy theory. Las Vegas Carnivore's take on it completely removes that power. Whether or not you decode the messages at all, it's going to happen. Because it's basically the secret, but instead of you living the secret, or you having positive thinking, or you doing hypersigil working, it's every member of the audience doing that towards this other goal. Great theory. Great theory. It's interesting to think that movies might not just be a form of entertainment. There could be... I don't subscribe to the theory currently that there's a single Illuminati. I believe that there's multiple groups, some named, some unnamed, that are vying for control of the planet. Or large swaths of it. I do believe there's people in power who are trying to enact their goals over the whole population. I absolutely believe that. I just don't think it's one faceless organization and they're all connected because it just doesn't make sense. I believe there's this group here and this group there and this group there. And what if the war that's going on between those groups used to involve spies and armies and assassins between these groups that have existed for hundreds of years, hidden from the general population, and the little wars they waged that eventually sometimes would flare up into full-blown wars? But then all those wars just kind of started to die down. The global wars ended really in the 1940s. And then the Bush Wars went on for a while, but they you know, they got a little bit less. Then in the 80s you had like South America flare up and you But it was no longer this huge these huge conflicts. Maybe they weren't needed anymore. Because we had World War 1 and we had World War 2, but Weaving its way through both of those was the technology of film and radio. And what if these groups wised up and they thought, you know what? We don't need to fight this war with guns or bombs anymore. We can reshape reality itself 
we can go in and make these movies and not just have a movie with a gay character in it and then 20 years later people are fine with their neighbor being gay. I'm talking huge societal changes. Massive. Some of them, sure, maybe dystopian future. To them it would be good, but to us it would be dystopian. Other ones maybe a future that focused on technology and the great things it can provide. Maybe another group just wants a future where every man looks like Matthew McConaughey and he always gets dumped within 10 days. These groups decided to stop fighting in the battlefields and begin fighting on the silver screen. It's nothing you can predict. It's nothing you can decode. There is no real secret message there. But it gives real meaning to the term, the magic of the cinema. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.